This morning we conclude our series called Fear Slash Faith, and we're going to be looking at a passage from the Gospel of Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 13, and it reads like this. Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will, de will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They, they do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Please join me in prayer. Bless us this day, O Lord, with vision. May this place be a sacred place, a telling space where heaven 
and earth meets. Amen. Covetousness, avarice, greed. Do I have your attention? I was, as I was working on uh, this text, I will confess some trepidation on my part for a number of reasons, mostly because I find this text to be one of those texts that perhaps we should just read and sit down in silence and reflect. But I also believe that we have to dig in and try to look deeper and to really hear what Jesus was saying in these important words. I was also reminded as I was thinking about this text and these stories, this man who comes to Jesus demanding that he uh, settle this dispute with his sibling about inheritance, and then Jesus' response about all this possessions and giving away wealth and all of those kinds of things that I was reminded of, uh, and this will show uh, my age. If you're of a certain age, you may remember this movie quote, greed is good, from the movie Wall Street, back in the late 80s. And that whole character was actually based on a real person. His name was Ivan Boski, and he was a Wall Street criminal. He went to jail for fraud and all this other kinds of these, these uh, white-collar crimes. He was the inspiration for that movie and for that tagline, because in 1986, he gave the commencement address at the University of California Berkeley School of Business Administration. And his unlikely mantra in that address, he said this to the graduates. Greed is all right, by the way. He told the surprised graduating class, I want you to know that I think greed is healthy. You can be greedy and still feel good about yourself. <laughs> I don't think that Ivan was familiar with this particular text that we read this morning. And it's easy, as it often is, for us to set up straw people, right? These people who so clearly demonstrate the antithesis of what we're about that then we excuse ourselves from any self-reflection. But here's the thing, my friends, the challenge for us as followers of Jesus is that we live in a culture, we live in a country whose whole economy, one could argue, is structured on more, more, more. Or, as it is more commonly known, greed. We have to be aware of our contexts. And even though maybe often, maybe not so often, depending on where we find ourselves in life, that as we get sucked into that cycle of acquisition and needing more and all of those kinds of things, we know somewhere deep down on a very basic level that we were created for more than 
than consumption. We were created for more than just the never-ending cycle of acquisition and need. And so today, I thought it might be helpful for us to break down some very basic terms. Have you ever noticed that we in church, um, especially those of us who've been in church for a long time, we throw around words all the time, but we don't often go back and say, oh, but what do we, what do we actually mean by that? And so this morning, as I began, we're going to look at covetousness, greed, and talk about what those things actually are. Because I think the danger for those of us who have been following Jesus and have been in the church for a long time is that we throw words like that around, but we don't often stop and really think about what it is that they mean, what it is that they're naming. And so I want to spend some time this morning doing that. And the reason I chose these two words is because in the text that we read this morning, um, in the original language, the word that's translated greed is, can mean either covetousness or greed, and we use them a little bit interchangeably. But covetousness, at least in the Hebrew understanding, they visualize the soul as full of um, vigorous desires, one commentator said, which urged it to extend its influence over other persons and things, right? And we know that this is a basic human drive. There's something in us that we have to be reminded of this, right? I mean, after all, one of the Ten Commandments is thou shalt not covet. So clearly this has been going on for a while. So to covet, we often think, is, is to desire something that our neighbor has. And it really is that uh, simple. It is that we want something that our neighbor has. We see it and we want it and our desire for it can overtake our souls. Right? Think of the story of human history and all the different places where that, that drive, that desire has led to catastrophic results, right? The greed for more, the covetousness of what our neighbor has, it, it, it drives so much of those base desires. Now, the word greed is similar and the Greek word that is used for greed actually is, is more than just um, the weight of it is a little heavier than what I think we think about. So the word in Greek that denotes, uh, that we translate as greed, actually, um, according to one New Testament dictionary, uh, denotes a desire for material possessions, right? Okay, so we get that. But it goes on to say this, that in the New Testament, this, this uh, desire, this monetary desire, is often um, associated with sexual immorality. Oh, things just got interesting. Right? Because if there's one thing that we as uh, church people, as evangelicals, like to talk about, it's sexual sin. For good reason. Right? 
But if there's one thing, at least in my experience of the church, that we don't like to talk so, about so much, it's greed. And yet in the New Testament, they're correlated. Greed is considered connected to sexual immorality. In Mark and 2 Peter, uh, it's closely associated with adultery. And so this article says that thus the desire for someone else's property is not so different from the desire for someone else's spouse or other kinds of illicit sexual behavior. Wow. Right? I mean, I think for me, the reality is that we, uh, as Christians, we don't like to talk about certain things. And we've been talking about one for the last three weeks. Money and our relationship to it. Right? I mean, we don't like, it's very personal. We would rather people know things about maybe even, uh, you know, that most intimate part of our life than we, we would have them know about our checkbooks and how we spend our money. And so we have to do this work of understanding what happens here. And so the, this drive, this desire is what happens when it becomes greed is that, um, again, the, the import of the word is that it, it um, expresses ruthless self-assertion. So what happens as greed takes over, right, as greed gets its kind of tentacles in us is that we move very quickly if we're not paying attention from just wanting what our neighbor has or wanting more or feeling like the, the you know, the character in the parable that Jesus told this morning, that we just need to build bigger barns to ruthlessly asserting ourselves in order to protect that. And so then we find heroes like Ivan Boski who will tell us that, well, greed really isn't bad. You can feel good about yourself and still be greedy, right? And then all of a sudden we're engaging in behaviors and having attitudes and, um, and thoughts that are far from where we began because we're trying to protect our stuff. One ancient writing that I came across as I was looking at this, this language stuff, and this comes from uh, the Testament of Judah, which is a, apparently a second um, century BC uh, Jewish writing. It, it says this about the love of money. My children, love of money leads to idolatry, because once they are led astray by money, they designate as gods those who are not gods. It makes anyone who has it go out of his mind. They designate as gods those who are not gods. This is the challenge, right? Which brings us to our text. A man comes to Jesus, asks him to adjudicate an inheritance dispute, which may seem odd to us. Nobody's ever come to me as a preacher and asked me to, you know, to do some, you know, help me figure out this, this legal matter. But in 
in the Jewish culture, that was a normal thing, right? They, they would go to the rabbi to, to figure out these disputes about the law. And this is one of those places where I love the way Jesus responds because it's so not how we think of him, right? I mean, we always, or we oftentimes think of Jesus was so, you know, open and graceful and he was and all of that, but there were times when he got kind of sharp, sarcastic, cutting, right? So his response to this guy is like that. The word that he uses that, that's translated man um, apparently is far from cordial. Basically, um, he addresses him as a stranger. And um, because what this man is doing is, is not what Jesus is here to do. Jesus isn't here to help people get property. This is not his mission. He's not interested in who gets what. He's interested in different things. And so he tells this guy, yeah, uh, I don't know why you think I would do that. And then he launches into this parable that's quite searing. The ground of a, of a certain, okay, <laughs> I love technology, but when I said searing, Siri came up. <laughs> and there she is again. Thank you. We're not going to use that word anymore. Jesus tells this parable that goes like this. The ground of a certain man, a rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, now as I read this, I want you to pay attention to what we said before, that what greed is, right? It's a ruthless self-assertion, okay? So Jesus tells the parable about this rich man who yields an abundant harvest. The rich man thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. There I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Ouch. Did you catch the ruthless self-assertion? I, me, mine. And Jesus then goes on. And says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens, they do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? Do not worry about your life. I will confess that is a lot easier to read than it is to actually do. The nasty thing about greed is that it is equal opportunity. 
You see, what oftentimes we forget when we think and talk about greed is it's very easy to do that point the finger thing where other people are greedy, the rich, the 1%, they're the greedy ones. Okay, fair enough. But the problem is, is that there are fingers pointing right back at us. And greed can be just as much of a problem for those who are poor as it is for those who are rich. Because what it really is, is that we very easily allow things, money, security, 401ks, um, retirements, pensions, all those things to monopolize our hearts, to take our hearts' focus. And then we hear the simple words of Jesus, who recognizes this and points us to the care and concern God has for all of creation. Consider the ravens. Look at the flowers. Now, one of the things that's fascinating, and I never really thought about this before this week, but the ravens, it's a very peculiar choice for Jesus to highlight. Because ravens in that culture are considered unclean. And so what Jesus is highlighting is is that God cares for even these nasty, unclean birds that are garbage birds. They just pick garbage, right? But Jesus, but God cares for them. They don't have storehouses or barns, but God makes sure that they have enough to eat. Do not worry about your life. You see, worry is a form of fear, isn't it? It's a form of fear. Fear that there won't be enough, fear that we won't be able to do this, that, or the other thing. Um, You know, and so it's a constant battle. Now, I have mentioned before, and some of you maybe uh, aren't interested in this, and that's fine, but I'm I'm a five on the Enneagram. And just this morning, so I get this, this daily email that gives like this devotional thought that has to do with your own, you know, your, your um, number, your type, and the things that you struggle with. And mine this morning, um, I didn't plan on doing this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull it up quick. Um, my, my dark side is avarice. And so... My thought for the day was this. Remember, your passion is avarice. Today, notice if you are withholding your resources and expertise instead of sharing them with others. So my tendency, my personality is to always think that there's not going to be enough. Mostly time. And so then you start to close in on yourself and you start to protect, right? Same thing happens with money, and Jesus knows that. Same thing happens with resources. We start to close in on ourselves. We start to think, oh, well, I've just had this windfall, and so what do I need to do? Well, I need to build a bigger barn so that I can keep it, so that I can keep it and that I, can, that I will have enough, right? And all of a sudden, um, that, that gratitude that we're supposed to have gets 
cut off and we start to shrink and our lives start to shrink and our focus starts to shrink and all of a sudden there's not enough. It's all about me and mine and protecting. And Jesus says, consider the ravens. Consider the wildflowers. God will provide. So Jesus goes on then to say, seek God's kingdom. But did you notice that in that seeking, he also says that God already gave the kingdom. But seek his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well. Next verse, do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. So the heart and the antidote to greed is gratitude. It's recognizing that God has given us everything we need. We simply have to trust that there is enough. When our hearts are focused on the scarcity of the world around us, we become greedy, worried, and fearful. But when we seek God's kingdom, we live in faith that the God who provides for all creation will also provide for us too. Because after all, the heart of faith recognizes that all is gift. It all comes from God. It all belongs to God. He simply gives us whatever he gives us with the expectation that we hold it with an open hand, with grateful hearts, and we trust that he will provide. And so this morning we are closing this series on fear and faith with the word, a reminder that we don't have to fear there not being enough. We simply have to walk and live in the faith that God provides. And if we need a reminder, all we have to do is look at the ravens and the wildflowers and see that he takes care of his whole creation.